This is our third part in uh, answering the question about what separates Hasidus Chabad from what some call the mainstream of Hasidus. I just want to observe that when the Rebbe discusses this issue, he doesn't divide Hasidus into two, he divides Hasidus into three. He calls the Baal Shem Tev and the Magid Hasidus Haklolis, general Hasidus, and then there's Hasidus Chabad and Hasidus Chagas. The point being that it's not like Hasidus Chagas is a continuation of the Baal Shem Tev and the Magid and that the Alt Rebbe was the one who changed, as people tried to contend, but that what the Baal Shem Tev and the Magid did was above the division. It was on such an abstract level that it was above the separation. And then, of course, in the generation of the Alter Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe went in the way of Chabad, and the others went in the way of um, Chagas. Now, when you read the previous Rebbe Sichas, you get the clear impression that the Alter Rebbe was given this mandate. He was told by the Magid, in the name of the Baal Shem Tev, that the reason for, the nesh- for his Neshama emerging onto this earth and the Al-Tareb was a very rare neshama, because he was called what is called a neshama chadasha, a new soul, which is an incredibly rare phenomenon. It means a neshama which is not connected to the neshama of other medishin. It's like the neshama that's going to be when Mashiach comes, it's going to be a neshama chadasha. It's like it says in the Tehra. The reason for the emergence of this new neshama was to create a chasidus chabad, or that's sometimes called arang brengen chasidus in apnimius. Hasidus, which can be internalized. Internalized means, as I explained in my first discussion, where since the Rebbe teaches and the person makes himself a chassid on his own, the Hasidus can be your own. It doesn't require constant recharging, constant direct involvement with the Rebbe. So even when the Rebbe is far away, whether it's physical distance or spiritual distance, in the Torah and the Hirah of the Rebbe, you have the capacity of being a chassid in all aspects of being a chassid, including the chassidus neshama aspect, which we call his kashrus, even from a distant place. I'm just going to finish with uh, a third insight, and that is the minhagim, uh, what the previous ever calls darkiya chassidus. Darkiya chassidus has many aspects. It's the minhagim, the specific customs of what we do on Yom Tev and on Shabbos and on weekdays and on Shoshan and Yom Kippur. And it's also the fabrengin, it's also the customs, for example, of Chazan Chsidis by Shalashudis in Shul, making Malava Malkin, the homes of the Balabatim, the learning of the Kutatayr and Tayr Eid on Friday night, the Fabreng and Yudas Kislev, the Ayyemim that says that Stam Balabatim, Drei Malavach, Tmimim, Ashoy Yed and Tog, the frequency with which one learns Chasidis, or an ordinary Chasid learns Chasidis three times a week, and a Tomim has to learn an hour each day. These are called Darkiha Hasidus. In other Hasidus, the culture is much richer, much, much richer. Levush is much more important. The dress is very specific. Each Hasidus has a unique dress. And each aspect has a tradition. And the, even the most peripheral of these traditions are sacred, they're holy, in terms of dress, in terms of what kind of shtaimel they wear, and kind of bekesha they wear, what kind of... Uh, silk or otherwise begodim that they wear in Shabbos and so on and so forth. Uh, just to give you an example, the, it says in the Rebbe's Rashim, it's that the Rebbe Rashab said, I envy the non-Chabad external form because he saw the benefits of it when he visited the parts of Europe that had non-Chabad Hasidim, particularly when he was in Vienna. He saw how useful this Chitzenius was 
when he said then of course in addition there is the culture of Shirayim of storytelling in, in, in Chassidus Chagas storytelling is mostly telling stories of miracles of the Rebbe of the Tzaddik to strengthen the Munas Chassidim and in Chabad the stories that are told are mostly stories about Chassidim not about the Rebbeim because they're stories about Avoida how one can grow as a servant of Hashem rather than stories that uh, speak to the greatnesses of the Rebbeim and in many ways the Lubavitcher Hasidim today are more similar in this aspect to the non-Lubavitcher Hasidim in uh, other cultures in general in other Hasidic cultures the frequency with which a Hasid went to the Rebbe was very high four or five times a year in Chabad the frequency with which a Hasid went to the Rebbe was much less once a year once even every two years there's an old Chabad expression if you don't visit the Rebbe once a year from where do you have life? But in Poland, they went to the Rebbe's very often. First of all, there were a lot of them, and they were much closer. And moreover, the whole Hasidus was about the direct involvement of the Hasidus. But the Tzadik gave Koyach for the Hasidus, and you had charged up sufficiently frequently that the Koyach should remain. In Chabad, you went to the Rebbe for direction, and the work you had to do by yourself. Um, I guess one of the things that could most directly summarize the differences is this concept called Shirayim. That in non-Chabad Hasidus, is a very important part of the Hasidus is eating the Rebbe's leftover food. The word Shirayim is an expression which is found in the Gemara, and it's a reference to the leftovers of a carbon that the Koyanim ate, which were Kedusha. They weren't Tara, they were Kedusha. They were considered sacred, holy. They have a godly light in them. Tzadikim, the greatest Tzadikim of Hasidus, were in such a high madrege that their leftover food was the equivalent of Shire carbon. And the Shirayim had a hus in them, eating the leftover food of a tzaddik. Talking about the great, great tzaddikim of Poland had a koyach to give even Avas Hashem and Yiddus Hashem and other Midas Tevis and so on. When Chsidim used to grab Shirayim, in Lubavitch, the Rebbe Rashab would say, Taking my leftover food does not give you a hus, it gives you an obligation. When our Rebbe first became Rebbe, he would protest the fact that people were grabbing Shirayim, and he would refer to the fact that this is not a Chabad tradition, and he would mention this Loshon from the Rebbe Rashab as well, at one point the Rebbe simply stopped, and some would say he stopped because either he decided maybe it's a good thing, or he decided that there's no point in discussing it, people are not going to listen to him. But the summary and the point of this little talk is to emphasize the idea that in non-Chabad Chassidus, there was a lot of form, a lot of culture, about the way they dressed, the way they ate, the way they sang, the way they celebrated together, how they went to their tzaddikim, to their rebis, and how they gave pedyoinis, fitlach as they call it, and how they took shirayim, and how they sang songs. All of these things contributed to the development of real chassidim. That means chassidim who are neshama connected to Hashem. In Chabad, this form was, for the most part, lacking. There is Chabad Nagina, there is Polish Nagina, um, but so much of the external form of other Hasidus is to a great extent lacking within the parameters of Chabad. And I suppose I should mention Nagina. In non-Chabad Hasidus, the music is usually very upbeat, very freilach, a celebration of life, a celebration of soul. And in Chabad, the Nagunim could even be bitter. And there certainly could be Nagunim Gagoyim, the Nagunim of longing, and Dvekas. That means songs that speak to the desire to be attached to Hashem, songs that speak to the struggle of Avodah Hashem, to the struggle of a Neshama being in this world, and so on and so forth. And of course, this is consistent with the ba- major point, 
which is that in Chagas, the Rebbe made the Chassidim, and in Chabad, the Rebbe taught the Chassidim how to make themselves.